When I was a kid, I spent my weekends at the local brewery. Why? Because my dad was a brewer. Hi, my name is Julie, and that's part of my story. And my dad was an accountant, so we spent a lot of our weekends of him keeping statistics of things like my basketball stats. My name's Maria, and that's a part of my story. And welcome to Sparks of Madness. <laughs> Sparks of Madness is a storytelling podcast that illuminates the beauty of our experiences while capturing those sparks that ignite what it means to be human. Hey, Maria. Um, So how's your summer going so far? I mean, I guess, just is this, are we in summer season yet? I think it's the day this comes out will be the first day of summer. But in Chicago, we know after like the fourth or fifth false spring winter bullshit uh, <laughs> that like anything that's consistently above 70 is good. So I'm happy about that because for a while there, my seasonal depression was just being depression. <laughs> I mean, I think in Chicago, I, 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 seasonal, I feel like seasonal depression is literally just like you, you have to, you have depression, but you have to separate it into seasons, but it mm-hmm. continues throughout the year. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that separation only makes it easier to process. You're like, that was my winter seasonal depression. Now we're in summer seasonal depression. Yeah. It's like too hot, too muggy. I guess I'm sad again. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not the cold, it's the heat. Yeah. And I'm still upset. And this is like, I grew up in Phoenix, like the Phoenix area. So I know heat, but I think it's just me. I think it was also like not knowing certain times when I was sad or Mm -hmm. like how the weather can affect it. Um, But I also feel like not saying like depression does this, but I think being in a climate that kind of changes. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. Let me restart that statement. growing up in phoenix like it's sunny a lot so you get a lot of the sun um but it's also people are just like more laid back and i always kind of felt like oh man i do not really belong here because i like want things to happen and move Uh, that's what i love about chicago even when it's like super cold the city is still like running and doing fun things or like everyone's like commiserating about how cold hot or whatever it is um yeah. Also, do you ever forget that sometimes you live in Chicago? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I grew up in, in Rochester, New York. So for me, like the snow is like super normal um, and we have so much of it and it lasts forever. So like also on the other side of things like that doesn't really bother me, but it also gets like very old, very fast. Yeah. But in Chicago, I, I like because there's the nice thing about I mean, I guess either season, summer or winter, because we both know there's that that's it. There's no real spring or fall. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's always so much to do, which I appreciate mm-hmm. about Chicago so much. But once you've lived here for some time, you kind of forget <laughs> these Chicago specific things, unless it's like, oh, well, I guess it's basketball season. So I can go to a Bulls game now, you yeah. know, <laughs> but the it's other like- day I went to a Chicago sky game and now I'm like, I'm getting back in the WNBA. That's what's going to happen. I would, I would love to go to a game. I think that that's on the docket for later this summer. Um, yeah. Also got to hit up the White Sox at some point. Yeah. Um, 
I actually went to both of those. Uh, you already when- checked those off your list. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because we went to a game and um, we left because we were going to our friend's show. And when we left, it was like, okay, the Sox are going to lose. And then when the show ended, we look at the score. It went to like 12, 13 innings because uh, they played the Cubs. So it was like Crosstown classic. I'm like, well, good thing we love our friend and the sound of music. <laughs> No, if Anna listens to this, it was really good. I've told you that in person. <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Well, worth I mean, did it. they end up winning the game though? Or did it just go? Oh yeah, the Sox long? ended up winning the game, but it was like the game was going so fast because nobody was scoring. And then the Cubs finally scored. And then we're like, well, they lost. Cause it's like that we left like in the top of the ninth, you know, cause we had to, we had to go, we had to go an hour to, to, to get to this play. Um, So we're like, we're not, I don't want to rush, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Um, I mean, the play was worth it. It was really cool. By the time this comes out, this play will not be live. So, but go see Sound of Music or watch it on your uh, local streaming network. (laughs) I mean, that's the other thing too, though, is that like, there's always so much theater in -hmm. Chicago as well. I mean, even though that show is not running, I'm sure our dear friend Anna will be in something else by the time this comes out or at least have something else planned. So it's like, you know, but not even just obviously our friends, but like, there's just so much to see and so much of it is like worthwhile. So it's, it's, yeah. I would also suggest if you've, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever gone to like the, the movies in the park? Yes. Oh my gosh. Quick story. My two cousins, Lindsay and Rachel, one of them is probably listening to it or both. Uh, they're twins. When I was 14 years old and they were about to go off to college. Okay. I were in Chicago and we're going to go see a movie in the park. And I was so excited. Millennium Park, I think it was, yeah, it was called Millennium Park at the time. Like it just opened. I think that was it. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm out in the city. It's going to be cool. And in my mom's head, it was, we were going to be back by eight o'clock. I don't know how she got that. I don't remember. (laughs) So anyways, like she was freaking out my uncle and my aunt because she's like, where are they? Where are, you know, freaking out because I'm 14 in the city and like all that. But I thought it was cool because like we were like the buses weren't working. So then we're going on the train all the way from downtown and they lived like in Irving Park. So it was just it was just so cool to be like in the park city nightlife on a Wednesday night because <laughs> like I just never done that before. And then we got back to their house and they were upset and I've never seen my uncle upset before but I think because my mom like hyped him up and like there wasn't really ways to get a hold of us and all this stuff. Um, but it was the coolest thing and I still remember that and I oh gosh I don't remember the movie I, it's black and white and I can see it in my head I'll have to look it up but it was really it I Casablanca? thought it was the coolest thing what is it Casablanca no 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 it's like a it's like a long title it's I'll, it doesn't matter but yeah okay <laughs> but it was so it was so it was just so cool because it was like you know we didn't get to really do this and I was like out with my cousins and you know like even now it's when your cousins are older you're like oh they're still they're still pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) well I know um I I've also gone to blues fest which is downtown right around the same area and I actually Mm -hmm. went with our guest um David because he is an avid fan of music I, I I know few people that enjoy music as much as David does but he also loves like such an eclectic mix um 
so we went to blues fest and we had like such a good time and they have like a bunch of different stages i mean i feel like chicago festival season is also just like like the street festivals are also like yeah but speaking of david (laughs) (laughs) this is my dear dear friend david we go way back to doing like improv together yeah so many good old improv like io back when it was in wrigleyville so let's give it up for david ibarra hi julie maria thank you for having me very lovely to finally meet you maria and julie always great (laughs) to see you um so my name is david ibarra um i have a little story i'd like to tell you guys today um this past obviously i think these last few years in the pandemic has been pretty difficult on a lot of people for different reasons you know me personally um i'd like to share kind of what i've been going through um cut to the chase uh my father passed away uh last year right um i actually did not know him very well i grew up with my mother i am a mama's boy through and through you know like i we moved from from California when I was about seven or eight to Houston. And I could, you know, I grew up in Houston, right? So we really did not have any communication with my father. Um, it was not a relationship that I ever, you know, sought for. You know, I can remember, you know, being a young child, just, you know, be focused on my mom. Like that is like my number one person, which, you know, I've been told many times, you know, like I'm my mother and my three sisters. I was raised in a household, you know, with four women. Uh, so I very consider myself, you know, in touch with like, you know, my feelings in that sense. But um, yeah, no, he passed away. Um, I, I didn't know him at all. You know, I remember uh, when I was younger, just having feelings of just anger, animosity, just, you know, frustration with him. And I think that just kind of played into the whole not wanting to, you know, reach out to him, not caring to, to hear about him, right? So um, about five, six years ago, um, he actually came in contact with my sisters. Um, I have three sisters, like I said, they're all younger. I am the oldest of uh, four. So um, he came in contact with, you know, two of them, and uh, they actually flew down to Mexico to go meet him. So they went down and they met him, and uh, he, you know, asked, about my youngest sister, he asked about their lives, and he asked about me. You know, my sister, Vanessa, actually reached back out to me saying, hey, he wants to get to know you. You know, are you willing to, like, reach out and have a conversation with him? I still just feeling all this, like, pent-up anger and frustration, just like I was not having it. You know, I was like, Vanessa, I respect your decision to want to meet up with him. You know, please respect mine to not do it, right? I, I don't want to be a part of it. So throughout this time, I actually started going through therapy, right? For years, I've had these issues where turns out I have like abandonment issues. Who would have thought, right? (laughs) You know, like, it's like, why am I always so just like upset and just like pissed off? And like, why do my relationships always just like falter, you know? And it turns out that I had a lot of like pent up issues, you know? So I've actually started, you know, I've been going to therapy for about three, four years. The longest relationship I've had at this point, you know, shout out to Bob. If you ever listen to this, you're the man. Um, so, yeah, I started going to therapy and, um, you know, through all this therapy, I've obviously, you know, it's like a layer, right, of emotions, like an onion, right? You're peeling one layer at a time and you discover one thing after the other. 
you think something's fixed and it's like, all right, doc, I'm good. I'm like, no, there's another layer, right? So it just keeps on going and going. So around this time, when my sister reached out to me about my father, she wanted me to reach out to him. And I was like, I'm not having it, right? So I continued to go through therapy. I, you know, kind of forgot about it. I heard through, you know, the water cooler, through the windfall that my sister was still communicating with them, you know, and I was like, again, that's your prerogative. That's your decision. I, you know, I'm good here, right? So flash forward to last year, I get a uh, text from my sister and she goes, hey, as you all know, um, you know, dad is very sick. And it was a little jarring because my sister, like our relationship with our father was never like talking like dad, right? And it was kind of like off the cuff, you know, very just kind of like, hey, dad's sick. And um, I didn't know what to make of it, you know? I, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, I, I didn't respond. I was like, well, what do you mean sick? And I got a text like, you know, three, four hours later, it's like, hey, you passed away. So all these like range of emotions happened you know, in a span of like three, four hours on a Tuesday, you know, morning in February of last year, right? And it bothered me for the longest time. And it's still, you know, something that I'm dealing with and I'm trying to cope with because, you know, through therapy, I feel like I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about how to communicate, how to act in relationships. You know, if something's on your mind, you know, you say it, you know, I'm a big proponent of giving it flowers when people are present, you know, so I've gone through this whole spectrum of reaching out to like friends in high school who meant a lot to me or like early twenties, you know, who were very impactful in my life. They're like, Hey, you did this for me, you know, and I'm very appreciative. And, you know, the feedback that I've received was very positive. So in this scenario, it, it, it still hurts because he was a man who regardless of how I felt about him, right? He's responsible for me being on this earth, right? And he was a man who never got to meet me as an adult, right? And I still have a lot of regret that I deal with because I never got to shake his hand as an adult man to say, hey, pops, I turned out okay, you know? Like I know, you know, whatever happened between us happened or Whatever didn't happen between us didn't happen. But at the end of the day, I turned out okay. And it's taken a lot of therapy still to be able to work through that realization that he never got to meet me as an adult. And I never got to tell him, hey, despite everything that happened, you know, I turned out okay. You know, so it was a very tough uh, situation to, to be in, to experience. But, you know, I think the one positive thing that I got from it is, you know, we, we get to this point in life. And I think in our twenties, we worry about like grudges and like, you know, Oh, this person was petty or who's pissed off at who. And like, I can't go to this party because this person's there. <laughs> and I think with, once you get older in life, you realize like all this shit, it doesn't matter. Right. Like we're all going through this journey at the end of the day, like we are who we are. Right. And we experience what we experience. And it just taught me that, you know, unfortunately, it, I regret that it took me that long to get to where I got to, but hopefully it's a lesson that I could, you know, share with someone that down the line it shows that, you know, like grudges aren't, you know, let them go. All they do is just age you. They make you feel shitty. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you gain nothing from it, you know. So I have, you know, a lot of regret, but also a lot of hope 
that, you know, hopefully if I ever share this story and, you know, on a public forum, I guess, like I am now, um, people kind of, you know, take a look, be, be a little introspective and realize that at the end of the day, you know, these, these things don't matter as much as, as you think that they do. And I, you know, I do truly believe that if you, you know, just kind of put, put aside that ego, that pride that, you know, you can have, you know, a profound relationship with, you know, whoever you, you may have that grudge with. So um, very tough lesson to learn, but honestly, it's, it's throughout you know, therapy, you think, again, shout out, Bob. Um, it's something that, you know, I've learned to cope with. So I'm, I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. No worries. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, therapy, I love so it. many. Yeah, we oh, have man, I'm telling you, for therapy. <laughs> I, I've actually put on some guy that some guys that I work with, you know, very just like, oh, macho, like, I'm not about my feelings. I'm like, my dude, you have a lot of <laughs> pent up issues. You should go see, you know, check out my guy or check out whoever. And I'm a big proponent of therapy. I think, it, you know, it's not the answer to your, your, your problems, but it's crazy how it helps when someone just repeats the questions that you're asking from, you know, it's just like a different perspective. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And sometimes, so with um, my therapist, shout out Meredith, we, she's been through like hell and back with me. And last year, or like end of 2020, she decided to move from mental health therapy to um, family therapy. So like that was a breakup, but it was like the healthiest breakup I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Cause usually my breakups are like fire blaze. Uh, and then she came back to the practice and so we came back together and that was like a little bit of I felt like trust issues I'm like but you already left me once Meredith again and I like talked to her about it she's all like well are you joking or are you being serious and then I was like oh man I do I do have issues with that (laughs) and because I was joking and I feel like I really liked your story of like have like therapy and like recognizing like both things can be true. Like you weren't ready to talk to this person and, but you still wish you could like thank him as well. Yeah. And that was a big problem that I think I had a while, you know, it took me a while to kind of, you know, come to grasp, you know, to grasp grips, whatever the, whatever the term is. Uh, that's <laughs> what took me a while to terms. That's what I'm trying to say uh, with that, that both things are true, you know, and it's like, you know, life is not black and white. There's nuance, you know, there's gray and to be okay, you know, with acknowledging that I was at a point in life where I was not ready to have that relationship. And that, you know, unfortunately it was too late. I wish I could go back, you know, and change that. But if that's how you felt at that point in time, then, I mean, you, you're, you're asking for the impossible, you know, you you can't ask more of yourself than, than try and, you know, I think I, I did try, I put in the work and I'm still continuing to put in the work. You know, it's not, it's not over, you know, you, there's never a session that was like, all right, I think we're done here. Thanks doc. You, you know, we're, we're all <laughs> evolving always. So, mm-hmm. you know. I, I was in therapy a couple of years ago, shout out to Nadia. Um, and, <laughs> and I, and I actually did have a moment where like, you know what? I think I'm done here. And then I yeah. stopped. <laughs> Julie, that's funny that you say that because I've had moments where I was like, hey, I think I'm done. I haven't been talking for a month. And then 
some shit happens and I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh shit, Bob, can we schedule another one? That's the thing is like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it from here for a while. You've given me a lot of tools in my tool belt. I want to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, but then more recently, like, and I was good for like a year or two. I had a lot of like, I think I had a lot to prove to myself when I wanted to kind of take the safety net away, which I mean, I don't know if that's smart or not, but it seemed to work at the moment. But then to- like definitely a couple of years later, even more recently with everything that's happened, I'm like, I wish I had a therapist. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like, and I do think it's somewhat generational that like, we as a group are all like in this enlightenment of like, wow, how beneficial is this? And how much did our, the generation that came before us miss out on this by like, you know, thinking it was a, a, you know, a poor practice or not beneficial or ineffective or like, you know, too woo woo or whatever. Yeah. Um, like I have family members that just like, like I've been diagnosed with depression and they'll be like, if you just like think happy thoughts, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> For the longest time, I thought was, you know, because especially like in Latino households, yep. you know, like mm-hmm. you, we always learn, hey, take it on the chin, you keep moving forward. You know, my mom is very much, she takes it, you know, and then she just like moves forward. And then I realized growing up, I got a lot of things from my mom, but that is one thing that like I did not. I am a very emotional guy. <laughs> I cry ever since therapy and I'll like, I'll cry commercials if I hear a kid crying I mean I cried watching Armageddon like the other week you know just like yes. Liv Tyler like it's normal you know so like I, I think it's um you know it's it's generational and I hopeful that you know people our age and you know maybe we have kids you know and so on and forth to te- teach them that hey it's okay to be emotional there's nothing wrong there's nothing weak about showing emotion you know if anything it's 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 a positive positive experience yeah I think a a lot of the issue with the older generation is that what we're learning through therapy is that they did a they made a lot of mistakes that affect us greatly but we are also empowered to tell them to add to their face and they don't love that so much and I think so I think a lot of the resentment is just like oh um they're calling me out on the things that were my shortcomings at the time when I was doing the best I could and now, and, and so there's like, yeah, it's a very interesting dichotomy of things of like us trying to be better, but then trying to like also take accountability for things that they weren't ready to take accountability for that ultimately yep. affected us. Um, because I feel like everybody I've talked to our age who, who have gone to therapy or in therapy, it always comes back to, you know, mommy and daddy issues it, it's, <laughs> it's in the most <laughs> honest of cliches, always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially like with similar background growing up, like being Latina, it's it's definitely it's this generation. But even then, it's still some of like the old like like move. Uh, being from where am I from? Like moving away from the family. It's like well, mm-hmm. why'd you move away? And like I, you know, got my education, all that stuff, and then I was like, I'm gonna move to Chicago and do this thing called improv. Let's just yeah. see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just very confusing and it was like doing stuff here they're like don't really see it until it's like on video they're like oh okay I kind of see it but it's like generational it's culture it's but it's like so much like intermixed too with that um but what does your mom feel about uh your you know your decision to go to therapy or to not see your dad no she's very supportive I, I think you know she 
you know, obviously they weren't ever on talking terms, but it was never a situation where, you know, she was like, I refuse, you know, for you to go talk and meet your father. She was always open to it. You know, it was just a personal decision, years of angst of just like bitterness of just frustration, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, I think when he passed away, she was very understanding because, you know, as more of it as it sounds, like I remember being younger and I remember thinking to myself, oh, if I find out, like if I found out that he passed away like tomorrow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose a night of sleep. I, you know, like I have such a disconnect from him emotionally that I don't, I don't think I'd feel anything. Let me tell you, that was a lie. when he passed away I cried and I cried and I cried and I couldn't understand why you know this is a person that I don't have an emotional connection with I have not seen this person probably since I was seven or eight years old but at the end of the day they're a part of you right they are one of one of the reasons why you are walking on this earth and I think you know, that just, it was like a waterfall of emotions that just overtook me and, um, you know, just kind of learned to deal with it. But, you know, she was, she was supportive. Uh, do you feel like, because I was thinking about this as you were talking that like, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you get overwhelmed with your emotions when these big things happen and you're kind of like surprise yourself by your reaction or like how intense the reaction was. Do you think that any of that has to do on like, how society has made you feel what a father should be and what you did or did not receive from that role in your life. Does that make, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I think that makes, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I always had this notion of what it meant, especially like, again, I hate to go back to like the whole, you know, culture thing, but like in Latino households, what it is to be a man, right? Like a man has to be the breadwinner. A man has to be strong, machismo, cannot show emotions, you know? And for me, um, my mom was like my, my father figure, you know, my mom was a person who had, you know, the strong, like the strength, the resilience, you know, she was a single mother essentially raising four kids, you know? So what, like how more strength can you get from that? Right. But it's not a traditional sense of strength, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, you know, we would always like here, I was like, oh, where's like, you know, where's the man? Where's the father and you know shit she is she is the fucking father you know we would celebrate father's day you know and we would give my mom something for father's day because she for all intents and purposes was both you know the the mom and the father figure in the house and it wasn't until I got older you know that I learned you know that just you know being a father being a man is not about just having you know the the structure you know it's it's just it's it's there's more to it than that you know so i think um learning to kind of curve or not you know associate being you know you know what a true like father or how you know father figure should be like um you know really impacted me and you know now i like to think that i you know i have like nieces and nephews now and i like to play i like to think that i play like the <laughs> The, the role pretty well, you know, like I, my, my goal in life essentially is it's to, if I can leave, you know, my nieces or my nephews with the memory that like, Hey, he was supportive of all my adventures, my endeavors, whatever it is that I decide to go through life. 
then I like, I love him for that. And that's what I hope to like leave behind to them. You know, like now I, anything that they say they want to do, I, I am a hundred percent supportive. And it's not because I learned, you know, or because I saw this is what a man or a father figure should be like. It's just, you know, it, it's like a supportive, supportive being in their lives, you know? Do you have a favorite niece or nephew? I can't say that, but I absolutely <laughs> I do. I, that's Everyone I does. Yeah, yeah. She'll call me and she's like, hey, and you know, they all call me Tio David. You know, I think my sisters get a little uh get a little jealous because um, you know, they came up for, for Christmas and I was hoping that you know it would snow because I wanted them to have, have like a nice, like, you know, you know, they live in Texas, so they, they don't really get to see any snow unless you know, right. there's a once in a century storm which tends, tends to be happening a lot lately but you know they, they came up and um I remember we walked in we were like we got an Airbnb and we walked in and like my sister walked in and they're all in the living room nothing happens my other sister walks in they don't say anything I walk in there I go hi Tio David hey can you come here can you come look at this can you come in and they're just like you know so like my sisters I think get a little you know upset like what the hell but I was like I pay attention to them you know like I want to leave I I want them that when they grow up they can say oh my uncle David man that was a good guy you know so whether I stay you know whether I'm alive or dead I want that to be my you know I want that to be like my What's the word? Um, legacy. My legacy. Thank you, Julie. That's <laughs> that's what I'd like to leave behind. You know? I started singing Hamilton in my head, so I couldn't say it because I make legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't get to see. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so when I really, one thing I really love about your story, David, is just because um, I feel like we need more stories about men feeling empowered to go to therapy. Um, I don't know if that's something that you, I mean, I know you were saying like you have dudes in your office who you're like, it's probably a good thought that maybe you should go to therapy because it's, you know, a worthwhile practice, but I've just heard from so many like friends and, or like on other podcasts, people just being like, it's such a weird taboo out there that it's like not socially like, okay for men to go to therapy, which I think is wild. But I guess from a male perspective, like, have you seen, have you received any kind of like feedback like that? Yeah, and honestly, like, I think the longest time, you know, and I guess maybe it comes with age, you know, you worry about what people think or like how people perceive you, oh, this person's going to therapy. But I, I do truly think that at some point, we all get to a point in life where, man, this is my story. I'm driving here. Like, who gives a fuck what, like, any of you have to say, right? So I'm confident or like, I'm hopeful rather that, you know, I think it's becoming a lot more normalized to, you know, to seek therapy. I think you're seeing it, you know, pop culture, you know, you see it a lot and like, you know, actors coming out that they've seen therapy, you know, they're seeing therapists, um, sports figures, you know, they're seeing like therapists. That was a, you know, you think about five, 10 years ago, that was such a taboo subject, like a sports athlete, you know, six, eight strong muscular they can't be having mental problems and it just shows how human we all are, you know? So I'm hopeful that, you know, it's becoming a lot more normalized. I, I've gotten, you know, some feedback from some of my friends and, you know, that colleague that I was telling you, you know, I, I consider him more of a friend than a colleague, but, you know, just talking outside of work, you know, he says how he's still seeing a, ther a therapist like two years later and how, you know, he has a kid 
you know, and how like close he is to his kid. And I tell him, I was like, Hey, I, you know, watching from the outside, man, I am very proud of you that you have this loving relationship with your son. You know, you're not following that prototypical mold of being hard, being a hard ass on your son. And that's what, you know, him calling you sir. And that's how you show respect. Like, no, you're a loving dad and it's okay to show love, you know? So I think with time, I'm hopeful that it's becoming a lot more normalized. I think we're making strides in the right direction. Um, I think we're far better off than we were five, 10 years ago, but I obviously do think we have a long way to go. Uh, kind of a shift, but one thing I did admire about your story and just even talking is how you talk about your mom. How would you describe your mom to us who haven't met her? Oh, man. Superwoman. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not going to cry. It's just like, it's just joy, you know, like yeah. she's someone that I, you know, I looked up to my, my entire life. She possesses a lot of resiliency, you know, again, raising four children, you know, on her own. Um, she's a boss. She never works for anyone. She always has her own like endeavors, you know, and that's something that I wish I could lean on. She, she has her own businesses that she's always like, you know, doing. And, um, she, yeah, just caring, supportive. I, you know, one thing that I, I didn't get from is I am a worrier, like not, not a warrior. Like I tend to worry a lot, you know, and she just always seems to be like, you know, walking the straight line. And she's always like, Hey, if shit happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but you know, she's such a resilient person. I, I tell people that I am the person I am today because of her, you know, I would not be the man that I am today if it wasn't for her. You know, I, she, has been with me every step of the way. And um, I mean, I'm a mama's boy through and through. I would not hide <laughs> that. And I will never hide that. You know, I, I, I love her deeply. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to put into words how much you so. I also, you said you had three younger sisters, is that right? Yeah. So you've just been surrounded by women your whole life. <laughs> my entire life. Our household growing up with my mom and my three sisters, you know, so. Yeah, like you must be like the best brother ever, I feel. Just because like, especially if you if you have all these wonderful feelings about your mom being this powerful woman in your life, I imagine that you are also like a super respectful and like empathetic brother. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I like to think that, you know, one of the sweet things that, uh, you know, happened obviously this past like Father's Day, you know, it's very emotional for my sisters, you know, like, you know, our father like passing away. Like we weren't, any of us really weren't that close to him, but... <laughs> One of my sisters, um, Jasmine, you know, we have a little group text, like all four of us, you know, like we shoot the shit, you know, whatever. Uh, she sent out a text. She was like, hey, you know, David, I know you're not like, you know, obviously our, our father figure, but, you know, you're such a, you know, important like man in our lives. And, you know, to hear them say that, you know, basically, you know, you're not our father, but like, thank you you know, for everything that you do. And, you know, ultimately that's, they're my baby sisters, you know, so I will walk to the ends of the earth for, for them. I will do whatever, you know, I need to do for them. I, I die for them, you know, so to hear them say that, you know, and know that they're appreciative of that. It, it was, a, it was a nice feeling. I won't lie. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm feeling like really emotional. Like, no, <laughs> 
Um, that's really all my questions for the story besides anything. Is there anything you want to add that we didn't get to or that you just thought of? Yeah, I thought about it. It might be like a little bit of a curveball, but I'll say, you know, you mentioned, um, and this is going to be like, oh, he added this later. There's no way this is real, but I, I swear, I swear to you, this is true. Julie said you always wanted a brother. I did as well. Um, it turns out I have a half brother ah. from my father's side that I did not, I was not aware of. You know, I was always under the impression that, you know, once my mom and my dad like separated that he just kind of went off and started his own family and he was gone. As for this, you know, first thing from the, from, from the truth, you know, he had one, one kid. Um, uh, and yeah, I didn't realize that he existed up until like around the time we had that communication with my dad. So there's a half brother that I have out there. Um, we've actually like exchanged communication on Instagram. We, uh, we talk, you know, often, so we have it uh, in our plans to hopefully maybe this year to actually meet and yeah, like, you know, actually have a conversation face to face. So that's one thing that for sure I'm looking forward to do this year. And I swear I'm not making that up. No, we believe you. Sure. I believe you. Yeah. 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 Um, that is wild. Uh, yeah. How crazy. I, you have such I, 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 obviously there's like not enough time in the world, but like, I've heard you talk before and you just have like so many amazing stories of things that have, that you've experienced in your life that I'm just like, every time you tell me something new, I'm like, David, how can you experience all these things? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, growing up, I would think, you know, like <clears throat> I had friends who, you know, went off to college and they got to play in bands and go on tour. And I was like around that same you know, age, you know, but I could never do those things. Right. Like I, I wanted to play in bands, and I did, but I wanted to go on tour, you know, but I couldn't. I had to stay home and like <clears throat> work and help my mom. Right. Help my family. But for the longest time, I kind of carried a little bit of just like I wouldn't say animosity, but just kind of like regrets. Like, oh, damn, I never got to experience those things. But, you know, the older I got, the older I get, I realize that those are just the experiences that make me and have made me who I am. So I wouldn't trade any of that for the world, you know. So good or bad, it, you know, it's just turn the, turn the page and we're on to the next chapter. So for sure. I mean, and the other thing um, that I really liked about your story, um, was how you you talked about um like going through the last couple of years and just like kind of going through everything just realizing like there's some really petty things that we get hung up on that's just not worth it um which like I've again have talked to you a lot about other shared experiences where it's just like you get hit in the face with how important certain things in life are and then you realize so many of the things that you care so much about are just like really not important in the long run and we take for granted all these amazing things and all these amazing people that we get to experience and interact with every day um so that was just something that I resonated with a lot because I I think that was a big part of why we wanted to do this podcast in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways is because um you know so many there's been so much loss and so much grief over the last couple years that we really want to give people a platform to share those experiences so we still can learn from each other while we have the time Um, and keeping those stories like especially in in any type of family like 
uh, I just recently experienced this was the one year anniversary of my aunt passing. It was my mom's older sister. So we got uh, together as a family on Zoom and told stories about her, like both good and bad. And so this is sort of like a moment in time that we get to capture. And that was like a big thing we wanted to do. So this was like, I know like behind the scenes we talked about like, we'll see this direction the story goes. But I think this like represents what we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, you know, we're, we're all in our thirties or getting to our thirties. Come on, this shit don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's all like, I promise you, you're not going to be on your deathbed and think about like one person that wronged you. You know, it's, I think life should be about the positives and giving the flowers to the people who have made an impact to you. And I, I told you earlier, you know, I've like reached out to people in my, you know, life who maybe I'm, I don't communicate with them as much but I do envision they played a pivotal role in who I am. And I tell them, you know, just how much they mean to me. And I think initially they're kind of taken aback because it's like, Hey, this is a little weird, man. Like you kind of reached out to me out of the blue, but it doesn't matter. Right. Like I promise you that you telling or you giving those flowers to that one person will make them feel and yourself much more like much better than the awkwardness that you think you feel. It's, 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 it's trivial. It's, it, it doesn't matter. Do it, just, give the flowers. Yeah. I never understand why people get so hung up on being kind to each other. Um, like it's, it's either unimportant or it's not worth their time. And it's just like, I feel like that's exactly what we need more in the world. And I just like more gratitude uh, for being present with each other. Um, 100%. But, yeah, I just really love that part about your story because that resonated with me so much. Um, so thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so if you're good with this, we're going to ask you some more kind of fun questions to kind of just get to gauge some other parts <clears throat> of your personality, have a little uh, fun. All right. Um, yeah, just throw some some wild things at you. Let's um, do it. <laughs> do you want to go first, Maria? Yep, I'll go with the goodie but an oldie or oldie but a goodie. Yeah, <laughs> I like asking people this because it's <sighs> a lot. So if you were a part of a heist, it's you and okay. four people, and it could be famous people, it could be friends, it could be family, it could be whatever. Uh, who are those four people, and what would the heist be? So like a bank robbery, stealing jewels, the Declaration of Independence, whatever. <laughs> Man, um, all right, four friends. Um, they're they're going to be friends. They're not going to be famous people. Um, I have some friends. Um, one, I'll just name them by first name. <laughs> I think the, the main guy would be Aaron. Um, he is the king bullshitter. I mean, this guy <laughs> is, you know, I respect him because he grew up, you know, you know, we all, you know, growing up partaking, like, you know, we smoke a little blood, we you know, drink some beer and stuff like that. He's been straight edge his entire life. And I think, you know, from social like structure, it's hard, I can imagine, for someone to be around that environment and never be kind of, you know, oh shit, I gotta do this thing to fit in, you know. Um, so he would definitely be probably the ringleader. Um <laughs> so he'd be one. Um Ian, because he's always, you know, he's got some, always got a different type of car. So I think I'm kind of leaning towards we'd probably be jacking or stealing something. You know, <laughs> we're all from Southeast Houston. We're all from the South, you know, Southwest side, Southeast side of, of, of Houston. So um, we'd definitely be, be stealing something. Um, mm-hmm. He's always driving. We got on. 
who is another one of my good friends, um, and, and probably Chris, I would say. So if they ever listen to this, I'll send them the link. There's these are all Houston boys. Um, <laughs> but no, 100% we'd be heisting something. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, Aaron would be the ringleader. We, um, yeah, as far as like what we'd steal, I don't, I don't know. Um, I feel like we'd break in somewhere. I don't know if we'd steal in, in like anything. Like I've had experiences with Aaron where I mean, I'll just tell you a, a quick story. We were in Vegas. There's a um, Terrell, um, James Terrell. There's like this exhibit in Vegas, right? And it's like inside of like this Gucci store or like a coach store. And the only way to get into it is if you buy something of like $500, worth. If you buy that, then you can go in and see the exhibit, right? No, so we were in Vegas a few years ago and we we're talking about trying to get into this place. And the day before, uh, he calls that store and he says, Hey, um, my wife, he doesn't have a wife, um, is just <laughs> left. She bought like this purse, um, you know, it's like $5,000. We want to, you know, $1,000, whatever. We want to like come see the exhibit. Do we need to, you know, like, do we, what do we need to do? And she's like, Oh, you know, just show the receipt. So we go the next day and it's like, Hey, I called yesterday. My wife was in here. She bought like this expensive purse. Can we come and see the, the James Terrell exhibit? And I was like, well, do you have your receipts? Like, no, nah, no, nah, she's off. Like, you know, doing her own thing. We can't do it. And I'm the while, like, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a worrier, you know? So I'm sitting in the back. I'm just like, what's going on? What's doing? And he just went over land. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, she'll be back. Um, so they let us in. Like he just bullshitted his way into this exhibit. But once we got towards like the top, you take an elevator, it's a start dark place you got to take your shoes off when they started like catching on because we look raggedy we don't look like we come from money you know but yeah. he's just like telling that like this is this is how it's done and we got to the exhibit and we got to the end of it and there were like no fast photography no pictures and what does he do he takes a picture of course um and then yeah we did it and we got out so he would be like the ringleader this guy is the ultimate bullshitter just like can get through any situation it's great that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you'd have quite a story, which is not surprising, but also you'd yeah. probably be very successful. Wow. <laughs> um, so if you had, if you were in a, a like a, a wrestling match, a big one. Oh yeah. And you, and you had to come out to like your fight song, what would it be? Oh man, it's so funny you say that because I've gotten really heavy into wrestling lately. Um, what my fight song coming out to? Man, damn, dude, that's a great question. You're putting me well, on the I, spot here. Well, you have such like you. I know that amongst our group of friends, you are known for having like a very wide. Like if I if I wanted to go to a concert any concert I could be like Dave would be a good David would be a good person to ask to go because I just love you have such a yeah you have such a wide variety of things that you love and I know that you're just a music lover at heart anyway I would I think I might like I would probably stick with like Jackson Brown like running on empty you know that's been like or no 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 no, the boys are back in town by Thin Lizzy. I would ah, that, that, and I would have like my stooges with me, one hundred percent. Like that, would amazing be so, for sure. For I sure. love that. Both both great options. Both yeah. great options. 
Yeah, I've been, been kicking a lot of that 70s, 80s stuff lately. Like, I like to think I have an eclectic taste, but yeah, thin Lizzie. The classics are classics for a reason, you know? 100%. Yeah. What would you describe your perfect day as? Like, what would happen in it? My perfect day? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have to work. It'd be like a Saturday, right? Um, go get some breakfast. Yeah, like I discovered recently like a uh, sweet potato hash in this place like around the corner puts like chorizo in it so like i would like already like chorizo like sweet like sweet potato hash um smoke a joint after that um and go on a ride like a little like a little drive you know i wouldn't be driving obviously because i'm impaired but if i can be in a car you know it's one i i figured out it's one of my favorite activities that once I left Houston, where you have to drive everywhere, being in Chicago, I don't get to drive everywhere. The chances that I do get to be in a car high and just like, you know, just coasting is like, man, ideal. And then probably end off somewhere in nature, just sitting back and just, you know, listening to the trees sway. You know, that would be like my ideal, ideal day. I've, when I moved, I've, since I moved to Chicago, I've like become very outdoorsy too. So, like to go a nice little hike, little you know, camping outdoor, you know, so something along those lines. Probably weed involved, unfortunately. What can I say? You know? yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, that day, I I'm also another person where I I left my car when I moved here, and I cannot tell my friends who have cars. I feel like they get so tired of me being like, "Hey, do you want to go for like just a drive and like yeah. just like." listen to music maybe yeah. just like go up in the suburbs like near the lake and just drive around yeah, it's the window, windows down you know popular like you know a little best coast or something you know on the tunes like yeah it'd be, oh it's such a great yeah i love it oh, it's especially so in chicago there's nothing better than if you can like you have a car with the windows down and it's driving around the neighborhoods in chicago a hundred percent not a car person I was no <laughs> when i moved from arizona i was like get rid of this car i'm so oh, excited man. i was just in tucson um a few like you know a few weeks ago actually oh cool for yeah. just fun yeah let's do go nice all the national park you know it's great loved it yeah i do miss uh i'm from the phoenix area so i do miss mm-hmm. like the mountains and such and like days like it's a snowstorm like nothing was ever canceled because of a snowstorm yeah <laughs> okay next question all right what are like what is at the top of your bucket list so since i've moved up here it's going to be such a i have a friend who says he's going heli uh skiing uh, um basically like taking a helicopter to go snowboarding or skiing um that sounds oh, okay. so outrageous that i was just like i would love to do that so if money was not an option absolutely take like a helicopter to like some high up mountains and just like go snowboarding or something that would be on the top of my oh mind. that makes sense i thought you're like sure. jumping out of the helicopter no no, no god no, no no i'm like terrified <laughs> of heights no way um just like the helicopter takes you to like a place yeah. where you normally can't get via like a gondola or a lift or whatever and then you like snowboard that if money was not an object, that was awesome. Or, you know, my friend Eric just went on a cruise to Antarctica from like Chile. And that sounds freaking amazing. I would love to do something like that. You say he went from Chile? From like, Antarctica? yeah, he flew down to like Chile and then like off the coast, kind of like near Patagonia, the very, like, 
like south coast, you can take like a cruise that goes by Antarctica and like you basically are in like Antarctica. Like he got to, he gets to say that he's been to Antarctica. That's what, that's, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. I thought you had to be like a scientist. Yeah. No, no. I don't think they, I don't get, I don't think they get to like get off. Like, cause I think mm-hmm. like you, you can't like get off and like stand or like be on land, but you can absolutely take like a boat or a cruise nearby. Wow. Um, that's worth it i don't like boats but i think i would like that i would 100 do that yeah. yeah um my last question is um if someone can make your favorite meal who's making it and what's that favorite meal oh man easy my mom got a little pollo um, Ooh, especially right now that it's snowing you know like like or even like some pozole you know like i when my when they came up my my family um I, you know, made pozole for some friends here and they're like, oh, this is good. And my mom made some and I took some to a buddy of mine who, um, you know, was sick. So I was like, hey, I'm going to bring you some food. Like my mom made it this extra. I was like, hey, he was like, hey, who made the pozole? My mom, he was like, man, no offense, way better than yours. I was like, yeah, I have a ways to go, man. You know, like, she's still the master for a reason. So I would say some caldo de pollo or some pozole for sure. Yeah, I want some. Yeah. <laughs> no, some soup weather. Like, oh man, I'm all about the soup, mm-hmm. yeah, especially in weather like this. Yeah, I sure. was never the biggest soup person until I moved here. And even like pozole, I liked, but you know, when you move, I don't know, I guess when you move away, you're like, oh, that's comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> all right, last question. Let's do it. If you, if you could be any animal, <laughs> what animal would that be? A bird. A bird. Yeah, yeah, a bird. I would love to fly 100%. Like you who just said that you were afraid of heights. <laughs> I know, I know. But like that feeling of just like being just being scared. I don't know. There's got there's gotta be something like um, you know, where like you are so terrified of something, but you surpass it that you just kind of like that fear just goes away. Like I a hundred percent, like when I still get clammy hands, I can't tell you how many times I've been on an airplane. I still get clammy hands, but I just can't imagine the freedom that comes with just flying, just like just being in the sky in the mountains. I all watch all those David Attenborough's like documentaries. God, it'd be so sick to be one of those birds to just not care. And also if I'm a bird, I'm not going to be scared of heights. Cause like it, it's in tr- like come on you're a bird like why would you be scared of heights you know so i'm sure it exists uh <laughs> <laughs> but also right. like i'm gonna blow your mind if you could be a bird and also drive a car that's and that's never we're going too far right? we're going too far here so <laughs> science has gone too far at that point it's like believe science but not this part mm-hmm. right 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 <laughs> well, I think that's all we have, David. Um, but thank you so much for everything you've shared. It's always like, I think it's really, I mean, everybody that we've interviewed so far has been so wonderful about being like vulnerable and open. And I think that that is really going to resonate with a lot of people. But no, I like, I, you know, I was kind of nervous coming into this uh, Zoom call. I'm not going to lie. Cause like, what am I going to say? Is this like call a little too personal? But, you know, ultimately, I, you know, I think there, there was a point in my life where I would never 
ever, ever think about sharing anything like this. And I think around that time, Julie, you heard me, you know, tell that other story, like about my mom that, you know, and that's, that was around the time I started doing therapy as well. So I think, you know, slowly over the last few years, I've learned that it's okay to share experiences like that. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, it does resonate with, with some folk, but I really thank you and, you know, Maria and Julie for, for having me on. This is a great experience. Thanks so much. Is there anything you want to say or plug or anything? Um, call your moms, call your pops, tell <laughs> your siblings you love them. Um, and winter's almost over, so we're, we're going to get through this, yeah. David is a comedic performer, great grilling buddy, cornhole player, self-proclaimed mama's boy, and an all-around good guy. If you're lucky enough to see him drop into a show, you are in for a treat. You can check out David on Instagram at IbarraDavid. You can also follow Sparks of Madness on Instagram at Sparks of Madness Podcast. Sparks of Madness is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. <laughs>